Hello, everybody. Welcome to another new episode of the Premier Raleigh Small Business and Special Interest Podcast, where we bring you stories from business owners and special interest groups from around the triangle. Um, this is our first episode of Raleigh's Small Business Podcast, and I have Matt with me from Triangle Imports, and I'm really excited to actually learn a lot about it because one of my dream cars is actually my uh, my Porsche. Outstanding. And uh, it's been my same... Same exact model of car I've wanted since I was five years old. They're beautiful cars. So I was like, yeah, so I was like, you know, I think it's about time I got my second marshmallow. Yes, I, I, would, know, I would have like, to agree. I would have to know. agree. That when, when, you, when you use the term marshmallow on, um, on Instagram, I, I thought it was, I thought it was perfect. I thought it was a Yeah, perfect. I was like, man, I was like fucking like 35 years waiting for the same car. Right. It's never changed. Exactly. It's 911 turbo. It's like yep. the same thing in my whole life. So, uh, what, what what chassis? What what your range? Um, you know, like it's weird because the the false ego in me is still a little bit. It's like I just want the brandest. I want the newest yeah. one, right? But there's so many other models that were so much better. Yep. Some of the older ones. There, and stuff, there's so. such a there's such an argument right now with the uh, Porsche purists about the uh, rear end of the new 911. Okay. It is the rear end as far as the drivetrain or the rear end is rear the, end the, is, the, is the design. Appearance. Okay. It's it's very, very modern as far as a nine eleven goes. Nine elevens okay. have a curve here, a curve there, you know, that's been the biggest change they've made since the early eighties. Okay. However, you know, they went very, very modern as far as the rear end goes and Depending on who you ask, you know, the, the dream car, the dream 911 or the 911 purists, some of them are very, very in love. Some of them are very, very, what did you just do here? Um, and I think, I think most of the, most of the purists are starting to come around on it, but definitely it was, it was a culture shock because they haven't okay. changed the rear end much. I mean, if you look at them from 83 to... I mean, even even as late as 2016, 2017, I mean, shape has changed slightly, a little more round than square, but I mean, we've, we've gone full-on space age, 911 with the uh, with the uh, 991, which is the body oh, style right. they use now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally think that it is a strong mesh between the two. However, there, like I said, there are some air-cooled, not eleven purists that are unhappy with that decision. At gotcha, this point. gotcha. Well, right on. Well, um, let's start out with this. So, like, how long have you been in business? This is the thirtieth year of the existence of this company. Okay. Um, we're we're very excited about that, and I think it's you know, for an organizational standpoint, you you can't you know the the philosophy of of fake it till you make it. You can't fake it till you make it for thirty years. No, absolutely what, what not. You, what you what you realize in business is how to grow on what you've done successfully and expand into other markets, other people's dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I think we we touched on it briefly before our podcast about relationships, and I think that's it's a huge part of my company. Yeah. Uh, as far as building solid relationships with people and actually caring about them as people. It's it's and the biggest. It's the biggest thing that separates separates companies. It separates companies that I use the term get it and don't get it. I, I think that every client that walks into the building is, is someone that wants to be treated like an opportunity, not treated like 
hey, we deserve this. We're, we're successful, so we deserve you as a client. Every client that walked into the building, we've had clients that became clients yesterday. We have clients that have been with us for every single one of those 30 years. And I think when you look at relationships, when you look at the idea behind them, it, it, take, it takes effort. It takes making the choice to build a relationship with that client and maintain it. Right. I can create a relationship with you in five minutes. But unless I maintain that, unless I make the choice that my staff and I are going to maintain that, we are going to lose that the following morning when we wake up. It's a choice every single day to maintain those relationships. Right. No, definitely. Because you can, like, you can meet somebody, have a quick interaction, a great interaction, make a sale. Yep. But then it's a sale and it's gone. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But to actually, like, you know, build this, like, like I, a big thing to my company is to, like, treat it as, um, I caught the tail end of the guy that used to fill your gas tank up, wash your windows, and, like, kick your tires for yep. you, check your oil. Exactly. Right. And that was a really, really cool thing yep. that I think what I want to do is try to preserve some of those old things that showed you cared. Exactly. And bring that into the future. Oh, for sure. Because I love technology. I yeah. love AI, and I love like where everything's going, and the the, level, the the use we have of the technology right now. Exactly. But we still have to preserve that human to human interaction. You absolutely have to, and and I, I think one of the things that has the way the way we look at technology at Trinkle Force is we we use technology to piggyback the the person to person interaction. We don't use it to replace it. You know, there are companies online right now that are selling products that will legitimately replace admin staff, service writers, everything across the board. You basically walk in, you scan your key fob, we know who you are, those exist. Oh wow. I am I am that would completely eliminate the need for almost anyone but me and technicians. I I in no way, shape, or form support that form or the direction that technology is taking this industry. Because what gets lost is the client that wants to have a conversation and feel that where their vehicle is, whether they're coming in for an oil change, which the average oil change for us is not cheap, or they're coming in to have a $12,000 rebuild like we're doing with um, a, a for a bond B8 right now that will exceed twelve or $13,000. No matter what the client is there to, to either give us a try for the first time or has been there a hundred times, the interaction is what makes them feel like their choice has been, um, has been, has been a good one. Mm-hmm. And it's the interaction that's going to show them that along the way. Right, exactly. They want to be like, it's almost like um, involving them in the process. Oh, for sure. Right, so like I do that with my company too. It's like, it's the whole idea of like working with somebody and not working on somebody. Exactly. You know, it's the same as you. You're gonna work on their car. Yep. Because that's what they're bringing you is their car. Exactly. But in the end, you're working with them as a person because you're, this is, a lot of time I'm sure like some of these cars are their baby. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, like this is, you know, like if I got, when I, when I finally get my Porsche, yeah. I've waited 35 years absolutely. to buy this car. You know, so like it's not gonna be something I take lightly. No, 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 no. You know, and I think there there's two amazing there's two amazing things about that. You know, one of my biggest points that I make with 
new clients, no matter what their education level on their car is, whether they like cars, whether they don't like cars, whether they just love this car, I am a strong proponent for educated consumers. There are a lot of organizations, a lot of them in the independent automotive repair performance market that are less concerned or, or find it less desirable for their client base to be educated because in terms of the, the sole fact of making the sale, it actually makes your job easier. If your job is to, if your purpose is to make a sale, if that's what you live for, if that's your motivation, the less educated the client is when they walk up to you, the better it is for you. That's my belief. Because what it does is it allows you the opportunity to make them, for them to make you their Sherpa as far as the expertise goes. I like it when a client comes up to me and says, okay, I got an A4, it's B8, um, I want to add a KO4 turbo to it, what do we need to do? I know we probably going to want to go bigger on the pistons, we're probably going to want to go uh, change out the valve, we're probably going to want to go with the Calico coated bearings, get the rods from integrated engineering, get the, um, you know, change the oils out to um, the VW spec uh, Motul oils, whatever it is, I like the educated consumer because that consumer has made a choice that this is this is something that they care about. And that allows me and my staff to come to the table and say, okay, so do we. Our slogan, our, the motto that we live by and that literally came to me one night, literally sleeping, woke up, jotted something down, have no memory of actually doing it. Your drive, our passion. That's our, that's our slogan, that's what we live by. Okay. Whether you, whether it is your baby that you've been waiting 35 years for, whether it is a car that you bought in 2015 that you love it, you just want to make it faster, or you love it when you want to love it more, whatever, whatever makes you love the drive that you have, the vehicle, the, mm-hmm. the experience of the car, the vehicle, we like to make it this... We like, it, like to make it a, a, a something that you don't usually think about when it comes to cars. We're passionate about what we do. You know, when, when it comes to building a motor or doing an oil change, tire rotation, changing tires, brakes, whatever, there's a certain level of passion that goes into a job if you want to do it the right way. There's a certain role that service advisors have or admin staff has or I have for my role that says we honestly care about what we do here and we're very passionate about giving you exactly what you want to get out of your car. Okay. Yeah, because there's a, there's a phrase I use in here is um, the beauty is in the details. You know, so like I can easily just go, oh, we're going to check this out real quick right. and kind of like rush it through and yeah. like, you know, it's no big deal. But the details of like the relationship, the details of like, you know, we could use this one and save three, four bucks. Right. But it's three, four bucks. Exactly. Right. For, for what we're going to get back out of it on the, on the, on the back side of it, are you really going to nitpick it for, for a few dollars if you're correct? That, yeah. And, and you know, one of the reasons that, you know, I feel so strongly about, about the, not only the client interaction, but what they're going to get from us. Not every, not everything that the client's going to get from us are they going to ever see. The oils that go into vehicles, I can go buy oils in drums or pallets or whatever it may be for a tenth of the price in which we pay for it. Tenth of it. I could make 98% margins on oil if I wanted to. The problem is 
that if I really concern myself with you being a client of mine long term, if I go that route, I'm going to blow up your car. It's going to happen. Because the reason that companies like Motul, companies like um, Integrated Engineering, companies like um, Bosch, these are all companies that build products in certain ways that you'll pay more money because at the end of the day, companies like Motul, so, so there's a lot of performance oils out there in the market. The common thread on how to get them approved, if you will, by the supplier or the manufacturer of the vehicle is to get the spec sheet from the supplier or from the manufacturer of the car and the supplier takes it and revert, tries to reverse engineer it to meet the spec. And then they say, hey, this approval is equivalent to this spec is equivalent to this. It gets very, very, very complicated. One of the things that I, that I love about companies like Motul, companies like Integrated Engineering, what Motul does is they make an oil, they manufacture it, they ship it to Europe, to the headquarters of BMW, Porsche, Audi, Volkswagen, um, Mercedes-Benz, and they say, you tell us what you think about our product in your cars. And then if you think if you think you want to prove it, prove it and send us a sheet. That's the way they go about doing it. Okay. And when they do it that way, you pay for that. Because what you're doing is if you look at our wall at our facility, we have every single approval sheet for every single product that we carry by all the major European brands. And most of our clients may not know what's on the wall. But for me, it's important to show my clients that we care enough to go out and take the extra step and incur the cost associated with and connecting that with you know the idea of being passionate about servicing a client's vehicle. So right. whether it's whether it's that, whether it's the the pistons made by Molly Motorsports, you know, versus using something that came out of China. I mean we're we're paying eight hundred dollars for pistons instead of four. Why? Because we're doing a build where we're exceeding with the way the vehicle was designed and you have to take stock in that and build it to a certain degree of quality to a certain take the necessary time and effort to go in and build the proper spec, the proper compression, the proper piston size. Um, you know, coated bearings versus non-coated bearings. I can buy bearings for that for that Audi, for example, for six bucks, not 60 bucks. Well, they're coated. Why are they coated? Because we're exceeding heat recommendations for what they were built. These are all, as you said, details. Yeah, it's all details about, you gotta have the details. Are, you know, we're not we're not going to say to somebody, "Put your faith in us, rely on us, let us be let us be your guide to achieving what you want," and say we're going to cut the corners for the sake of a buck. It's not about a buck. You don't you don't get to thirty years by making it about a buck. No, exactly. And then why would you put all that all that effort and time into finding all these all the best products and put shitty oil in? Exactly, exactly. And right. yours, there's there's so many uh, something as simple as oil. In all honesty. You know, connecting connecting it to, to passion when we do things that's vitally important. But looking at something like oil, the wrong oil over the lifetime of a vehicle, very few things destroy a motor faster. Well, I'm sorry, more efficiently over a long period of time as using the wrong or or cheap oil, if you will. Mm -hmm. Just to put it simple, simple as that. Um, cheap oil, cheap 
cheap spark plugs, cheap anything when it comes to the automotive market, especially especially in the European based end of uh, the automotive market. It's cheap for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the right products are more expensive for a reason as well. Right. And I always look at um I worked on aircraft in the Navy. Okay. I was working on the F fourteens. Outstanding. And I always look at like you, you think of a, a car and I drive my car, I have a little six speed Kia. Right. And they always say like you're supposed to imagine you already have what you have. Exactly. So I've been driving my Porsche for about a year and a half yep. now. I just haven't picked up the, the actual one yet. Awesome. You know, so I, 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 I take care of my little Kia and I have a little six speed and I drive it like I'm driving my Porsche. Yeah. But I was thinking of like having a car is like, you know, we're taking care of aircraft because they're going to be in the air and we have to make sure they're functional and you're using the right things to keep them functional. Exactly. Right? You know, your winds, you can't take off with a cracked windscreen. Right. Or even exactly. a chipped windscreen. Everything has to be perfect. Perfect. You know, so the car, taking care of it and caring for it the right way is just as important Absolutely. as flying an aircraft. Absolutely. It's now your aircraft you're going to drive on the road. Yep. You know, and I drive my drive that way too, you know, because like, obviously we all know that a lot of people aren't paying attention on the road right now. Yep. But your car goes where your eyes go. Yep. Bingo. You know, and I drive my car that way. I'm like, how precise... Can I drive my car? Exactly. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. I drive my little Kia like I'm driving a Porsche. Yeah. And like hugging corners and like really engaging and being part of the experience of driving. Exactly. And making that part of like the whole like the whole thing you're doing. Yeah. You're doing that, nothing else. Exactly. Yeah. I mean the way the way I look at it, you you're you're in my opinion, playing the motto of of um, dress for the job that you want. Mm-hmm. Not something you have. I mean that that's basically same same connotation. I think, um, you know, and I and I look at it whether it's a mom that's got the that's that's driving around a GLK, whether it's whether it's you know the Porsche, the Porsche enthusiast, whether it's the um, Volkswagen GTI owner that wants to take his uh, car up to VIR every so often. Whatever whatever it is, whatever makes your vehicle important to you, whatever whatever your car is to you. You know, the mom and the GLK, it's I gotta get my kids around all the time. My car's gotta work all the time. That's right. It. You can't be breaking down. No, can't be breaking down, yeah. can't be can't be having squealing brakes, can't be having um if you're gonna go and give us the opportunity to work on your vehicle, it needs what needs to be taken care of needs to be taken care of then because that's when you have time to do it. You know, whether it's the Porsche enthusiast who, when they get that car, it's going to be like, they're going to, they're going to live in it for six months. I mean, they're going to be like, like married to that car. And I think that a lot of people, you know, don't, don't like that stereotype. I mean, I, I enjoy it because what's important to you in that way, that's a personal choice. Okay. So some people, some people are in, have relationship with their cars. Some people have their cars as mode of transport. Some people spend nights, you know, working on their own cars and they can't handle some of the bigger stuff. Whatever the, the relationship with the vehicle that the client has when they come and see us, we try really, really hard to connect with the client on the personal level that we can help the client reach whatever ultimate relationship they want to with their car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I speaking on that same note, I read something on, um, on Facebook last night that was... Um, for an organization that was making the case that there is a certain um, time to tap out when you've had a car for a certain period of time. I know a lot of people, like probably thousands of people that I've met, that their vehicle 
is a there's an emotional attachment to the vehicle. And I don't believe it's my role or my staff's role or technician's role or whatever it may be to say when when it's that time. Right. You know, if no, we're yeah. asked directly, we'll give our honest opinion based upon facts and we'll lay the facts out as they are. However, there are people, there's 1983, 1985, 87, um, 9-11 supercharged, you know, where we're doing $4,000 um, uh, R134 AC retrofits because those cars had the R12 in it if they were oh, lucky yeah. enough to have the yeah. AC in it. And R12 now is is illegal to sell and, and use and a lot of a lot of uh, difficulties there, you know, even in the years prior in terms of getting it because it hasn't been sold in quite some time for the automotive application. So, you know, none of these clients asked me, hey, um, I'm driving my, you know, 83 911 supercharged and the AC is really getting weak on me. And they, they asked me the question, what can we do about it? And I said, honestly, what, I, what the car needs is an AC retrofit. It's going to run you this amount of money. And they said, is it worth it? And I said, in my, in my opinion or in your opinion? I mean, what's important to me is connecting with the client on the um, on the on that that passion level, mm-hmm. because functionally, from a factual basis, doing the right conversion is worth it. Doing a cheaper conversion of, of things where you're not really converting the car, just really changing the compressor out, where you're gonna have the exact same problems. No, absolutely not worth it. If you want to take care of the car the way you've been taking care of it. Right, Which you've obviously been having it since '83, exactly. so you 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 cared Bingo. about it. So Bingo. why wouldn't you actually go and do the actual retrofit on exactly. it the right way exactly. and just and keep it? Bingo. You know, and that's why I talked about we talked earlier a little bit about the journey or the story, right? And to me, like you know, when I always say like most people are the same, right? Except for their story. Exactly. Well, and the same thing with that. You can look at you know you're working on cars with four wheels, a steering wheel, like whatever. Like there's so many things that are like the same. The same. Yep. But that journey, that that how does this car affect you socially oh, or psychologically? Sure. Do you have this like do you have an emotional impact to it? Do you do you have like you know it gets it gets the kids around to their to their sports? And I know it's going to be dependable because this you know this is my car exactly exactly right. So like that story is really important. You know, Dave Dave Ramsey, I think used to um, used to say um, you know uh, the the uh, the the home has replaced the BMW as the ultimate status symbol, um, you know, home ownership. Oh, right. um, and, you know, I, I look at it, and I, you know, I agree with Dave Ramsey on some things. I, I disagree with that a little bit because it depends on where, where you come from. It depends on what's important to you. Yeah. If, if you, if you love your BMW or your Mercedes, Porsche, Audi, Jaguar, whatever it is, for whatever reason you love it, that's not, that's not of consequence to me. My, my, and my staff's comfort zone when it comes to taking care of a client is what is important to the client. And I think while I, I would not dare try to dig deep into clients from a general perspective, um, I, I will say that, that you know, the one thing I think they all have in common is they all want to be treated as an individual. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be treated like we have some great you know, crystal ball on, on what we're going to get or what's important to that client. It's our job in, in our industry and at Triangle Imports to look at that client and, and say to them, what is important to you outside of 
taking a chance on, on us as an organization, which, which is what every client's doing, whether we have great marketing, whether we have great um, word of mouth, whether we have great Google reviews, whatever the case may be, every first time client, they're giving us an opportunity to make it or break it every single time. And I think for me, they, they are the most excited I get is when we reach that particular level of the client so happy they have to say something. The, the, you know, I've heard the argument from the marketing perspective, happy people don't write reviews. I would say to those people that believe that, go read our reviews. Because there is a place in, in a lot of people that if you, and, and our review, most of our reviews, 80% of what's being written, has nothing to do with the functional work that was done. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, little it's, of it. It's so much about that. It's the, it's the enthusiasm we have for what we do. It's the um, interaction that we have with the client. It's the way we, when things happen, whether, whether we're asking, whether we have to ask the client for money or not in the call, the client gets informed. There's such a lack of transparency in, the, in a lot of industries, but especially the independent automotive market. And it, gets, it gives the industry as a whole a reputation that isn't very friendly. And the, one, and the one thing that we do, we don't do anything because the rest of the industry doesn't. We look at things from the client perspective. One of the things we do is we do loaner cars with at Trekler Port. So in the event that we keep the car for any period of time, we cover a loaner car for the client. The first or the second worst thing about having your car worked on, depending on what side of the socioeconomic line you sit on, yeah. is the money or the lack of transportation. Right, now you're like, oh, well, some of these places too, like, oh, we'll give you a ride home. Like, right. what the hell is that going to do for it, me? It, like, what, is it, what is it going to do if I'm stuck there and I have to yeah. go from A to B? Or, right. or the mom taking, you know, driving the kids around all day. Well, they need a minivan. We do our very best to take care of that as well. From the opportunity standpoint, we're being, we're being offered the opportunity to take care of a client. And it's not just about their car. It's about can they still get to work? Can they still pick up the kids? Can they still, if, if they have to, tr- you know, if they have to travel for their job? Well, if, if we're doing a rebuild on an engine, well, you need a car. And currently your engine's in 60 pieces. Right, So exactly. if that's the case, we have to satisfy that particular need from the client's perspective. So that's the way, that's the way we look at it. That's how we, every day, attempt to live up to... Our, our motto because it's it's one that in all honesty yeah it is it covers a lot of things when when you're taking a inanimate object to the average person and you're putting an emotional connection to it which a lot of what a lot of our clients have you're saying come here we'll take care of you and every single day we push ourselves and I push my staff, I push my managers, I push my technicians. Meet it, meet it and beat it. Because if we've done that, that day we've done our job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you always shoot for over. Over. I mean, every... Shoot for the moon, land on the stars. Yep, exactly. Yeah, boom. Yep, they come in and like, same thing, you come in here, you know, it's, it's you know, I have 30 minutes in between sessions. Yep. 
where a lot of places have five or ten. Yep. Right, and they're like, "Why do you have so much time in there?" Like, I have a, people ask me, you know, because like according to the production piece, yeah, I'm putting leaving money on the table. Exactly, exactly. Right, but like, they come back to me because they had ten minutes to talk to me, yeah. and I haven't been able to build this relationship with them and like care for them and go, you know what, you've had a rough day. Yep. Let's have let's just sit for a bit, yep. or let's do this, and like, they're not used to that. People right. aren't people. What fascinates me and troubles me a little bit is the level of service that's missing in our day and age right now to what I grew up with as a child. Yep. It's, right? It's this like level different. of care yep. that was given to a to a customer. Yep. They're like, let me help you out with this. Let me let me carry this out for you. Let me let me load this for you. Let me is there anything else I can do for you? Exactly. Exactly. Right? And that's missing. One of the one of one of the greatest um, things that, that I look at in this this end of, of the automotive industry and diagnostics is one of the most widely argued fees in all of the automotive industry. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I mean, I've been hit with that one too. Yeah. I'm like, you know, well, so maybe explain that. Exactly. So, yeah. so, so depending on where you go, um, you'll pay anywhere from 75 to, you know, if, if you go to branded dealers, you can spend anywhere to do $210 on diagnostics. Now, I, I find it um, very, very difficult to stomach the idea of looking at a car, you know, let's say a BMW, um, that is, uh, I think there's a 20, 2012 550 um, in our facility now that we're doing, we're doing strenuous amounts of work to, um, that the client had already had his car diagnosed at some places, and apparently they were not specialized in BMW, not specialized in the things that we are. So... You know, the client, the client brought his car in and I said, listen, here's what we can do. The way our diagnostic fee works, our diagnostic fee is X. And in the event that you say, hey, we're going to go ahead and fix it, as always, we do not charge you that diagnostic fee. Because I don't, I don't find any intelligence in the idea of we're going to charge you for the, op, for the, for the successful endeavor of repairing your vehicle these vehicles are expensive enough on their own i i don't i don't need to you know advise my anyone on my staff to quote unquote hit somebody on over the head that's what that diagnostic fee is in the event that we're doing the work on someone's vehicle that diagnostic fee never existed in the event that we you know do that and what what i look at that as is you gave me the opportunity to do it in the event the way technicians are paid in the event that the work isn't performed that was time invested in in performing that diagnosis but in the event that we're that we're repairing the vehicle or doing whatever performance task you want completed i find it um i find it challenging to understand the um the level of uh the level of, of needing to charge that diagnostic fee in that mm-hmm. event, I don't, it's not. It's something that I feel is a little bit, um, a little bit of an overreach. I well, think. it's kind of like nickel diming somebody. Yes, yes, right? it is. Like you already got the business. Well, they're exactly. saying, yo, you found it, fix yep, it. Yep, exactly. So you got the business. You're in their respect. Yep. You're, and 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 especially especially when the, one of the things we pride ourselves on the most is diagnostics, the ability to be right. My my one of the things I always say is. If you're wrong from the beginning, there's no way to be right at the end. There's no way to do it because you're you're functioning with 
with one understanding of the problem when if you're wrong from that particular uh, place, you can't achieve success at the end. You can't you can't right. fix you, the problem. Right, you you started off chasing, the wrong you started exactly. the wrong started off the wrong rabbit. Yep, exactly. Right, exactly. like you know this one's over here just kind of still hanging out. Yep. You're like, man, we still haven't figured out what's wrong. Absolutely. What's going on yet? Absolutely. Because you didn't even start off the right way. Correct. Correct. And yeah. you know, I think my my biggest thing about the diagnostic fee perspective is giving the client giving the client the right answer. Mm-hmm. There's so many there's so many fees, there's so many times that my my service manager or my service advisors or my staff get gets a diagnosis laid laid on their desk or my desk, whatever it may be. And the diagnosis is just it's not wildly wrong. It's just not right. And when you're charging someone $150, $200, $300 for a diagnosis, it needs to be right. There's an expectation in the industry of you're charging me to tell me what's wrong with my car. There's an expectation that that information is accurate. Yeah, and absolutely. Because that's the money you're paying for. Exactly. And I think and I'm that... I'm trusting you to give me that information. Bingo. And there's a certain trust factor that I think a lot of organizations almost take for granted. You know, we're not... There's a certain amount of expertise that goes into actually being right. In the automotive industry, just like your industry or any industry, there are certificates and, and, and patches you can get that say, hey, I'm really good at this. But there's also a functional level of being good at this. So if you are good at what you do, there's procedures you follow to find your right or wrong. And I'm not saying anyone's anyone's infallible. There, there's no Right, no, exactly. There's, so, there's still a human element exactly. of things. Exactly, definitely yeah. a human element. But your percentages following the right chain of events, follow the right bouncing ball, following the right wild rabbit, whatever you want to call it, yeah. more often than not, significantly, gets you to the finish line with the right end result. Right. And I think that's vitally important because, you know, in this in this industry, just like your industry and a lot of industries out there, being being wrong in a situation in a circumstance of reliability can set not only the client back, which which is which is the bit the biggest sin, the biggest sin in that. Well, yeah, because you have if you chose the wrong rabbit and they're going, well, we already installed this stuff in your car. Exactly. Now we're going to charge you for it anyways because we already did it like that's. Exactly. It's shit. It is shit. It is shit. For me, I I think, you know, warranties as well play a huge role. One of the the things we do, um, all of our suppliers, um, they basically have to meet the warranty that we put on the street. So if I'm, if I'm dealing with a, 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 any sort of organization, any sort of, you know, OE parts supplier, whatever the case may be, all of our, even our warehouse shooters, they meet what we want to offer as far as warranty goes. Even if the manufacturer of the product will only only covers it for 12 months, hypothetically. Ours is two years, 24,000 miles. If we're going to deal with you, you're going to be at that mark. Because we have, we have a, we've lived by that long before it was the standard. And we've never come off of that. We will not come off of that to do business with another OE supplier. We're not going to, that's not the way we do things. 
we're not going to deal with someone at the essentially the expense of the client. Right. The client is going to get, you know, the original equipment experience when it comes to anything like that on their vehicle. And just a little bit about that. Uh, one of the things that I like I like to tell us I like my staff to explain this as well. Um, when you go to BMW, when you go to the counter, you buy a part. Um, Audi, Porsche, wherever it may be. You're buying a part made by a certain supplier. So let's let's say you have a air pump on a Volkswagen made by a company called Piersberg. Um, if you have it, if it's made by Piersberg, there is a model number by Piersberg on that item. And then there's also the branded vehicle manufacturer stamp on right. it as well. Once that stamp is made, there's a certain amount of um, percentage added to it because it's been sold X amount of times in order to get to the branded dealer. There is a substantial savings when you go to the manufacturer of the component pre-branded dealership. Because what you're doing is is you're taking, as we talked a little bit earlier about supply chain, logistics, you're taking several people out of the out of the equation when you go to the manufacturer of the and a lot of resources a lot of resources a lot of people don't realize how many you, you're you're paying for fuel here yep and people's time absolutely. and paying for fuel here and people's time and then you're again and then maybe one more absolutely you know so it's it, by the time it gets to here there's like over this and like a couple more of these and like you know exactly and it just keeps adding up and and I mean a lot of people a lot of people suggest you know how do you how do you <clears throat> provide the same service with the same components and the same factory chain trade labor for less money how do you accomplish that that ball it's not an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination however when when you understand what adds to the costs associated when you understand what makes a part from Petersburg at this cost, come up with an end cost of this when you go to Porsche to pick it up. There's a lot of things that go into that and a lot of things that you just notated that, w- that we're eliminating by going to the manufacturer of the component level. Um, and, and for me, there are, there are certain situations where you have to go to the dealer, which, which we can supply also a substantial savings over. However, the the biggest um, the biggest the biggest savings that we can provide really is on a labor perspective. I mean, there's some laborers out there and, and the Porsche owners that may be listening right now that you hope to be soon. Um, avoid the dealer. I mean, you can you can run into some three or four hundred dollar oil changes at those at those uh, facilities. Um, and to be honest, it just, the numbers just aren't there to support that. There's a lot of things that you're paying for. Right. You're paying for the the prestige, I guess, of like going to the dealership. The floor, the floor, the marble in the lobby. Right. And you know, the one, the one idea to keep in mind is in branded dealerships, essentially the service department funds the sales department. More or less. So mm-hmm. they sell a car. The car, you know, you know, the the salesman gets a certain percentage. A certain percentage goes back to the dealer. A certain percentage goes to the parent company. The service department is a ongoing stream, a consistent revenue stream that the dealer needs right. to keep up. No, exactly. Um, and there's a re- there's always a rhyme or reason. There's controlled cost. There's there's reasons that price points are what they are. And listen, their their dealerships are absolutely beautiful. 
we don't necessarily agree that the client needs to pay for what's in the lobby. Right, because essentially they're paying to have a better lobby so they can sell more cars. Exactly. So you're you're just paying for the marketing for them. Exactly. Right, as to you going, well, why you know why do that when I can sell you that you know do this cheaper? Right. And then is that four hundred dollar oil change? You know what? You know, go back to the oil thing. Yep. You know what are what kind of quality of oil are you getting? Are you getting drum oil? Yep. Because that's what they're buying. Yeah. Or are you getting you know oil in your car that's going to keep your car exactly. running? Exactly. You know, so in, keeping you out of their shop. Exactly. In their in their in their defense, you know the 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 manufacturers and especially the brand dealerships, they're they're always very very concerned about what goes into their car and the specs. They're very religious about that. Where where we look at it is just simply, are you getting better for four hundred dollars than you're getting for two? And the answer ninety nine percent of the time is no, you're not. No, you're getting, getting like. Have you checked out the tile in the lobby? Exactly. <laughs> have you checked out the tile in the lobby? Um, you know, there, there, and there is. I will say there is a strong um, renaissance that that branded dealerships are trying to come back with with the with the um, with the client interaction on a personal level, and I, I think it's a very very smart business move for them. Yeah, you have to. You have to. I like um, I like what Gary Vee pointed out about um, you know. And I love the internet for this. Yeah. Is that it's exposing people. Absolutely. It's transparent. It's creating transparency. It's creating people, forcing people to be genuine. Absolutely. And even the biggest companies in the world have to play like a mom and pop shop yeah. because there's enough numbers now, yeah. enough unity across the internet that you do something wrong and you get thrown into the bus. Absolutely. So you have to. It's the innovator die. Yeah. But the cool thing about the internet, the innovation that's coming from it, is driving things back to a personal level. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, yeah. one of the things that, that I that I think is it's one of the most hilarious arguments against going down to the personal level that I've ever heard because I find it totally ridiculous. It, you know, we're too busy, we're too big, we're too we're too um, we're too involved. We're e-commerce. We're there's so many different arguments against going down to the personal level, against walking in and having your administrative staff, your servicers understand your clients, not just as the car, not just the phone number where we can call to get the right. approval to spend the money for the car. No, they're people. They're people first, first and foremost. And what I don't like as companies, and, and not just larger companies, companies of my size, smaller than me, have brought to the table the argument that there's nine million reasons why we can't narrow it down to that sort of level and deal with people on that level. And I, my argument is if you if you feel like you're too big, if you feel like it's too expensive, if you feel like it's too hard, we're an organization that's up 35% year over year that is primarily focused on our client base as people first because it is inherently possible and my belief is people want to go take their funds that they work their butt off for and spend it with people that are going to remember a week later not only them but that they came and took a chance and gave you an opportunity than the people that are never don't have the systems in place to remember 
don't have the the philosophies or the or the goals in place to interact with people that way. I personally believe that people want to spend their money where they're treated as human beings first. Well, and that the, the one of the gold rules of sales is like people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Yes. You know, so that comes back to like it's a deep seated thing because yeah. like, you know, I want to know that I'm being cared for and not. Uh, what's what's your phone number? And I right. punch it in, and like you only know me by my phone. Exactly. Number. There you are. You really? Like, oh, in, yep. There you hey. go. Oh, yeah. You bought this car from a such and such, whatever. Exactly. And like, yeah, that's okay. Cool. Yeah. And they're like, all right, you know, take it away and come back, and like, okay, thank you. And they don't even say your name. Right. They don't, they have no idea what your name is. No they, idea. they didn't ask what your name was. No. You know, they're, you're just, just number so and so and so. There, there's so much that goes into business business ownership, entrepreneurship, and at any level, I think. It starts with people. You know, when I when I look at my organization, I look at my, I look at my staff. I mean, my staff are people. They have their they have their own, you know, use of they have their own trial and tribulations. And one of the things that I that I think keeps people focused on what their goals are is the interaction that we have as a staff as a, as a unit because they know that they can come in and they can either talk about something if it's on their mind. Or they can not talk about it if if work is their escape. Some people work is their escape, where you know work is their everything is good here, everything's controllable here. Some people it's the opposite. They need to they need to show, they need to vent, whatever it may be. And one, I think organizations, you know, have to focus on people starting with starting in some cases with their own people. Right. That's very important because they're the first the um Branson always says that. Yeah. You know, it's more it's, it's it's not your customer first; yeah. it's your employees first. Exactly. Right, because that's that culture that is going to be your, your face of your company is now interacting with exactly the direct relationship with your customers. And it's it's funny you mentioned that because it's, it's one of my favorite um, lines on. I guess it's more of a slogan. I guess um, one of my favorite slogans as far as interacting with employees, interacting with clientele. You know, a lot of people misunderstand that quote as if, as if you know, the focus isn't on the clients. No, the the purpose of it is, if if I take care of my staff, if my staff feels heard and respected and empowered, they're going to take that and deliver that to the clientele. Absolutely, they're going to take every, it. Every and they time, they're going to every run time with it. One of the things that I that I really religiously try to do, in in every. Um, Personal, uh, personal reaction, personnel reaction that I have at, at, at my facility is to how do I give you the tools to handle this on your own? Handle it. How do I empower you to say, hey, we need to talk about this. You now have that information. Now now go spread your wings and, and fly with it. Right. My, my objective is, uh, from my chair, is to empower empower my my staff to deal with with the clients not only in in the in the motto that that I woke up and from a deep slumber and came up with but as a reflection of, of what I want my clientele to feel but also how do I how do I allow my my team to have a very personal and empowered piece of that that they deliver their way because what what what's most concerning to me is the way the client feels leaving. Mm-hmm. There's 50 different ways to get what I want across, 
across, and it's dependent on the clientele. Right. Every client's different. And and here's the thing too that I I, I hear a lot. You hear it in like telemarketing a lot. Mm -hmm. With the script. Yep. Right. Is like you're giving this person a script that doesn't allow them to be genuine. Correct. So now you're like, well, you have to greet every customer this way. Da 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 da. And you have this person that isn't that way. Right. And now the script that you say your way, and they're trying to say their way. Right. And it sounds terrible. Absolutely. It's, it's and like the customer's like, well, obviously, like you're, this isn't you saying this, right, 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 because you wouldn't say this. People, or. people are very smart, and that's my belief system. I believe that people, clients, um, they're they're very very smart people, and they know when you're being genuine with them. They know even if they know nothing about the industry. I talk to clients every day. Some of them are very, very educated in the automotive industry. Some of them are not. My belief system is that most of most clients can listen to someone talk, and most of them have that um, kind of the uh, the bullshit radar, mm -hmm. right? Whether they know what you're talking, whether they whether they know what you're saying is factual, non factual, or not. There are some people, and I think a lot of people, that have this, I don't feel good about what you're saying to me right now. Even yeah. though I've got no way of knowing whether it's right or wrong, I just, I just don't, right. I don't. Something doesn't quite, right. something doesn't something jive. It's not me. right. Exactly. Yeah. And again, that goes back to the educated consumer. I like what my staff getting on the phone. My staff will spend 20, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour on the phone with a client, helping them understand the way they need to understand you know I've got clients that like to come up only come up to get a diagnosis why because they like to have things drawn out they like to see pictures of things they like to see visually what we're seeing um, one of the things that we do that I think is a little bit um, lost especially in the independent um, end of this industry is every single vehicle that comes in the building no matter what it's in the building for, it gets a full, what they, what they call a vehicle report. And it's every single electronically monitored system on the vehicle gets a report. Every single one reports back. We have a baseline. It doesn't matter whether we're replacing um, the fabric on a convertible top or changing tires. It doesn't matter. Everyone has one. And I think it's important because some clients and some vehicles, some vehicles don't let you know about every monitored system until there's a problem. Some of them are more sensitive, some of them are less sensitive. Um, so just because the vehicle is aware of something doesn't mean the client will be. Um, not every client knows what every code or every light means that's on their car. Right. I think that there's a responsibility amongst anyone that works in a facility like ours or sits in my chair as the owner of a facility like ours, from the bottom to the top and back to the bottom, there is a responsibility that when a vehicle comes into a facility for an oil change, tires, whatever it is in there for, they are aware of the condition of the vehicle to the utmost extent that is possible. That's a responsibility. I think that's something that we as the industry need to need to f focus on first and foremost. I mean, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of mentality that hey you know just let things let maybe maybe let things fail maybe maybe you know that'll bring them back and they'll spend more money okay so my argument is preventative maintenance when you when you're preventative on on aspects with the car as everyone in this industry knows these cars are expensive to repair whether you do it preventatively or whether you wait for things to fail they're expensive to repair right no matter what no matter what so i look at it from the perspective of let's be the advocate let's be the liaison between the manufacturer of the vehicle who's responsible for it for a certain period of time to the car's second life as i call it where it's outside of the 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 parent who built the vehicle right well let's be that advocate let's go to bat for the client if they've got a warranty and the warranty company isn't isn't you know holding up their end of the bargain let's be the advocate for that if there is an open recall or tsb or something like that and the client wants more information we get involved with that all the time why because that's what we do it's something the client may be a doctor or an attorney or a school teacher whatever that that's not their forte that's right they don't forte. know what they're talking about no. that's why that's what you they have you for exactly and even in scenarios where we are making zero dollars recalls we're we don't make any money there's no benefit to us other than we've made it our responsibility and our our desire to be the advocate for the client there's absolutely no benefit in it other than meeting the expectation we set for ourselves which is being the advocate for the client right and that creates that more depth it right it's not that like just give me a sale like well, I don't really want to do recalls anymore in our right. shop because we're not getting paid for exactly them. exactly right but that that customer that you helped pro bono oh, yep. is going to go these guys are awesome because exactly. they helped me out with this well I mean there's situations you know, all the time where um, you know for example Audi Audi timing chains there's there's a certain section in fact a big section of um, Audi's um, as of 2014 2009-2014 time frame that um, there was a class action lawsuit and a um, and a um, and a open re- oh, recall on okay so a lot of a lot of times you have to do the research on the VIN number to know whether it's covered or not. Our systems, when you enter in the VIN number or scan in the VIN number, it generates a open recall um, uh, report. Okay. So if there's anything that's available open recall, the client is made aware of that. Or or if there's something that has failed that is part of an open recall. We either there's two ways that we handle that. We either send that directly to the to the um, send that client directly to the dealer to have that recall performed, or in the event that the client um, is unaware or does not want to take it to the dealer, a lot of dealers for recalls do reimbursements. So in the event that they don't want to take the car back there, they've got procedures in place where facilities like ours can perform the work, and then um, that's more for service campaigns, but. The, um, the service campaigns are something that the dealer says, we are going to do this, take care of it for free, and then we're in, we're in a position where we have the opportunity to actually perform the work, and then the client can get reimbursed for it. Okay. But that a lot sense. of clients don't 
aren't aware of these things, especially the service campaigns. Open recalls are, you know, handled by the um, Highway Safety Bureau. So a lot of times they're, especially if they're the original owner, they're made aware of it. Um, service campaigns, absolutely not. Um, very few of the service campaigns actually go public. We have access to, I would argue, the most up-to-date outside of the dealership as far as service campaigns go. Well, the clients need to know that, especially in the event that, hey, my timing chain is raising holy hell and I'm really thinking it needs a replacement. Well, if it's under a service campaign that's still active, here's your two options. You know, offering them that information that they wouldn't otherwise have. So do you like keep an eye on like, so like say a service campaign came mm -hmm. out and you know that these, you can search your database and see the cars that are Absolutely. in your people and go, hey, there's something that came out. Let me, let me I just want to let you know about it. Bingo. Bingo. So. We do, we do that. We do the um, service campaign report, um, open recall reports and some of the some of the most beneficial pieces of information that we have access to are what they call uh, technical service bulletins. And what okay. they are I've is, you know, essentially in the event that um, what they they deal with a large amount of, of customer complaint, but they don't deem it necessary for a service um, a, a, a service uh, right. a service um, report report. Yeah. The um, what they'll actually do is they'll make internal notes. In the in the in the dealership or under the brand that hey clients deal a lot with this and if it's this do this, they're still billed for it, but it is it's a note that's put in place and the only reason that they make those TSBs is because they're very very difficult things to either replicate or reproduce in a diagnostic situation. Okay. So what it does is it it helps my staff, my techs, my service advisor, my service manager to actually get you know, deeper into the diagnosis before they even begin. So they have pitfalls to avoid. They have things to keep in mind. If there's any edits to the way a job should be done or materials or tools to use, that's also in the TSP. So my belief system is you can't expect greatness from staff if you don't equip them to be great. Right, you need, you need to have the information, you need to have the, the, the resources and the exactly. tools and the education, right? So, like, having those that piece to start. Yeah. But then you also ha have to have a good culture. Exactly. Because the people need to be cared for. Yeah. And know that they're cared for, that they want to actually pay attention to the education. Exactly. And pay attention to the resources they have to actually pass along to their customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You know, so, one, of my, one of my favorite, one of, my, one of the most exciting parts, I think, of what, what we do um, at Triangle Imports is our foreman is the same foreman for every one of the 30 years. And that is something that, you know, I'm 35 years old. So to, to give an idea, I was, I was a little bit under the age of 18 when I, when I met the man um, for the first time. And um, I, when it comes to staff like that, you, you can't replace the relationships you create. You know, there's a responsibility that there, there, there's a, there's a um, reliance that I have on staff. I, I don't, I'm not the experts in the places they're the experts. They're not the area experts in areas that I'm the expert. The point is, as a unit, 
we fill every perceivable automotive entity, whether it's electrical, whether it's, you know, wiring harnesses, whether it's um, convertible tops or hydraulics or transmissions, every member of the staff has their, their own great unique points. And we thrive as a, as a staff on, on growing everyone in their particular um, strength. Right, because that's important. Exactly. I mean, why, why would you, I mean, yeah, everybody has a weakness, yeah. but why the hell would you like put all your time and effort into someone's weakness? Exactly. When you have three other people that can do it just fine. Exactly. And make them even better. Yep. So, yeah, the, the strength is, is huge. It, it, it is. And, you know, my, my biggest thing is having someone that has been through decades and decades and decades of, of automotive and knows that it's hard, knows that it's grueling at times, and knows that you know, it, it, it takes long, hard diagnostic hours to achieve the right answer. So you have the opportunity to be right at the end of the day, fulfill the role that we play in this industry is, is second to none. I couldn't, it's one of those things that I can't in my shoes from my chair, fill that. I cannot fill that role. And I'm relying on that. If we're making, if we're building wiring harnesses, I can't, I can't fulfill that. You know, there are a million things that go on every day that even the person in my chair is relying on every member of my team to get our message and our philosophies and the, the success that we want, getting it through to the client. And when they, and when they leave us, you know, say, okay, you know what? That was awesome. You know, maybe, maybe I spent more than I wanted to, Maybe, maybe, maybe it's expensive. Maybe I didn't want to repair this right now, but you know what? They were transparent. They were honest with me. They told me what was going on. They gave me the best course of action. They gave me recommendations and I listened to them and look at this now. My car drives fantastic. Right. And to me, it's about every single one of those things. If the client leaves and they're very happy with the way their car rides, but they're not happy with the way the interaction went. That's a problem for me. Right. It's a problem. It's equal. It's the same problem that would exist if their car wasn't fixed right for me. Right. And, there, and the one thing about owning the business is that it's essentially it's your fault. Correct. It's not the person that interacted no. with the customer. I've, dro- I've dropped the it's, ball somewhere. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's every person that is on my staff is is as unique and important as every member of my client base. Everyone is different. And they need to be trained and taught and and um, and worked with differently. And I think that it's you know it's my responsibility to not only to not only work on the on the form and the function of of the way we we work as an organization, but also to make sure that I am expressing the philosophies in the way that's presented in a way that works for my staff individually. Staff is in, I, I think some people use the term staff as, as like everybody. It can't be done that way, in my opinion. It, it has to be done in a, what does Melissa think? What does Jason think? What does Scott think? What, is, what does Jeff think? You know, whoever it may be. What do, what, what do they need how do they need to be worked with? How do they need to be trained and handled? And I think 
them, you know, one of the things I always try to do is I, I try to put myself in my, not only my client's shoes, but my staff shoes. Right. You know, one of, one of the decisions that, that we made about, I don't know, probably, three, probably 10 years ago, the, the decision that was made was heating an AC in the building. Why we've got a thirty thousand square foot building and gets really hot in North Carolina in August. Oh yeah. And there's a certain, I, I look at a situation like that from a, from a from a staff perspective. There's a certain level of um, there's a certain level of of functional um, feeling of that. Hey, it's not one hundred and fifteen degrees out, you know, in the building when we're trying to work on cars all day. That's one. So. You know, there's an appreciation from that perspective. There's also an appreciation. I'm not a technician. I've never been a technician. There are certain things that I don't know how they do what they do. Right. I know it from the the philosophical standpoint, but not from, you know, getting in. There are certain things I've never done to a car that we do every day. And for me... Giving them, giving them the, giving them the AC situation, and you know, going out and saying, you know what, I got lunch today for everybody. Just go crazy, you know, whatever it is to show st- staff members you're appreciated, you're heard. If you have a family scenario, come talk to somebody. We're all we're all here as a unit. We all walk in every day to accomplish the same goal, and we're all human beings. Yeah, we're all human beings, just like our client base is. You know, client base walks into us Monday, Thursday, Wednesday, whatever day it is. They walk in. We have absolutely no idea what that person has been through. Yeah, you don't. Absolutely, well, you don't no know idea. every every person you walk up to on the street. You have, I mean, no idea the the battles they're dealing with. Exactly, like you have no idea. Exactly, and you know, for me, from my perspective, you know, I can say personally, in that in those scenarios, uh, I try to be aware of you know socially aware, like the way I would put it of. What's going on around me? How, how is what I'm doing um, impacting someone? From the client perspective, I think we have, and especially the staff perspective too, because all day, every day, um, we have a unique opportunity to say, I have absolutely no idea what you're going through in your day right now. It could be the best day or the worst day. I have no idea. However, my, my goal and my, and my hopes, and, and we have a, the unique opportunity to say, this is going to be a good thing. This is going to be a good and, and enjoyable, and, and listen, things breaking on a car in its, in its vacuum, not a great thing. Nobody loves that. But there is a way to make that interaction something that they leave feeling important. They leave feeling like, I'm the person in in the room that they were dealing with during our interaction, and that's one of the things that we shoot for. Right, you're not you're not two steps out the door by the time they're Correct. you know dealing with something they might have you know coming and have a hard day anyways, and all of a sudden like damn car just broke down, yeah. I could deal with this now. I exactly. go in there and now I'm getting a run around. I don't know what's going on. You know, you're just adding to all that whole thing. Yeah. So you have this whole chance to like neutralize exactly, if not completely take it away, but like to at least bring it down a couple notches for him and go, man, this situation really sucks, yeah. but at least here, you know, I'm being hurt and I'm yeah. being taken care of. And like, they're trying to make it the best way they can. They gave me a ride to work. They gave me a loner, you know, those, those little things, they just, they, they add up. Exactly. 
exactly. you know? so you don't even have to know the situation but if you are aware whatsoever yep. to people yep. you can tell pretty easily that you know someone coming get come in going hey this is wrong you think you can help me out yeah. or someone going here's my keys you know whatever yeah. and you can feel that you can you can right and, and you're and like I, okay so i'm going to take I'm not going to jump in and, and try to explain something to you right away. I'm going to go, right. need a cup of coffee? Yep. Do you need, like, let's take a, take a second. Yep. You know, let me know what's going on or whatever, and then we can kind of work around it, you know. Because really at that point, the car is a priority, but right. it's very secondary. Exactly, exactly. You know, the I'll give you an example, and, and tech is going to play into this real quick, but one of the things that, was, that, that we did when we did a huge revamp um, with a um, – company called D Digital here in Raleigh. Um, awesome company. Go go find them. Um, but we, when we revamped the entire website, and it, it looks amazing, so go triangleimports.com. Um, they, there was, there's a button, it was a call to action button. And the one thing we were trying to do was we, we were, we were trying to make it, you know, obviously work both, both desktop and mobile, which it has to, it has to, market. yeah. And what I wanted, though, is I wanted it to be, from a functional standpoint, function differently. When you're on a mobile device, when it comes to when it comes to a vehicle, you are most. I mean, you're you, you're using mobile eighty percent of the time, whether you're in the car or at home. It doesn't matter right, it's pretty much mostly switched over to exactly. at this point. So, but what I wanted was I wanted to, I wanted to have the opportunity that. If you're on your mobile device and your card is broken down and you click on us, if you don't know where to go and you click on us, the very first thing you will see, the very first button you can press, says, if you need a tow, press this button. And what it does is when you're on a mobile device and you press the button, it calls the tow company that we deal with. Okay. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. You press the button, it calls them up. And two things about it. The first thing is, I've broken down on the side of the road. The very last thing I feel is not frustrated. I'm very frustrated. I'm agitated. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm a little bit pissed off. I'm not really in the mood to be jumping around crazy things. I need what I need, and I need it right now. Right. So, a lot of times you can't get, like, what if you're broke down somewhere? You don't have good cell service. Exactly. And now you're, like, trying to fish through websites yep. and, like, yep. trying to find a phone number and all you, this kind of stuff. You go on your mobile device anywhere you're on mobile, and you, the, one of the very first things you see is, need a tow, click this button. Because at that point, when you're stuck on the side of the road, you need, you need things and you need them to happen efficiently. Which means you don't need to call me first. You need to get you need to get yourself and your car off the side of the road first. That's priority one for you. Number two, the reason that, that I feel that's important is because it puts the the personal angle to that is you know what? Hey, here's the tow company. If you have somebody else in mind that you have a relationship with, great. I mean, you're not. I mean, you're calling it. Right, you're not required to like push. Right. You don't. You don't have to push the button. Right, exactly. But we want to offer you. Yeah. That. So, so the 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 tow is a company that we deal with. It's not us. But if you don't know where to go, if you're out, if you're from out of town, if you're new to the area, which hundreds of thousands of people are moving into the triangle in the last. Right. No, you know, it's constant. It's, it's unbelievable, and it, it's huge, and it's a great opportunity for the triangle as a whole. But. What that does is it brings in a slew of people that have to go through the idea of where do I bring my car now? 
you know, I'm not feeling dry goal. I'm here now. It probably wasn't on my top ten list of moving, you know, of where to go get right. my car where fixed. Do you, yeah, where do you... And now, I'm, now my belt broke on the side of the road. Where do I go? Right. And, my, you know, for me, it, it's hugely important to be, for our success to be based on the way, the way we have people feel after our interaction. But also, I'm stuck on the side of the road. How does it get any worse? Oh, well, that's cool. The poop. Now I'm on the phone with the tow company. Right. Great. Our relationship with our tow company is really, really simple. They bill me. I add the bill, I add the tow bill to your bill when we're done, if you decide to pick us. The reason that we do it that way, the very last thing you want to hear when you're on the side of the road is give me money to get you off the side of the road. Right. No, exactly. Why yeah. don't we deal with that at the end? Why don't we deal with that when your car is fixed, when your car is, when you're not on the side of the road, when you're not dealing with the 83 things that just went sideways in your day because your car broke down on the side? Yeah, no, totally. You know, and we can't prevent, we can't prevent car, cars from breaking down. We can't do that. But what we can do as an organization is we can make your car's problems hurt as, as, Little as humanly possible. Yeah, exactly. Just take a little bit out of them. You know, conven- you know, convenience factor. Eliminate that. You know, the inconvenience factor as much as we can. When it comes to the when it comes to performance work, we do a lot of performance work. And my motto on performance work is, we are going to, you know, if we're doing full builds like we're doing on the B eight uh, A four right now, we are going to do and we are going to recommend or we're going to have some control over the build process. Because what we want is not only a reflection of what the client wants, but it's also a reflection of the work that we do. Yeah, And absolutely. we want to set the engine and the client up for success when we do a build. When it comes to doing tuning or anything like that electronically, we look at the car as a whole. You know, one of the things that I, that I wish was done, because well, I say that, but we would have less business, but I say it anyway. What I wish more organizations would do is let's look at the car as an as a whole entity mm-hmm. before we start saying let's ask more of the car. You know, it's like the the adage of of you know I want more power. Let's just strap a turbo to it. You know, it's a little more complicated than that. Right. So I, I always remember. I mean, this dates me a little bit too, since we have all LED bulbs now. Yeah. But the old incandescent bulbs. Yeah. Is when they started to get really bright right before they burned yep, out. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And it's kind of like, yeah, you're getting more light, yep. but it's not a good. It's, right. it's not going to last that exactly. long. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I so, mean, that's a great example, actually. That's awesome. You know, so you can like you can throw this turbo in there, and yep. for a year you're gonna have the you're gonna have the best time of your yep, life. Exactly. And then after a year, you're not gonna have a car anymore. Exactly. You throw you throw a so, rod. You you know I mean, valve. Bend a valve. I mean, there's so many different things that can go wrong when. Well, heat. I mean, you talk heat and aluminum. Yeah, I mean, there's heat, it's just it's a mess. Uh, aluminum. I mean, you know, there's so many things that go into you know proper builds, and and I think there's there's so few places. I mean, the places that are uh, that are very very good and very successful at builds. I mean, they they're well known. I mean, we we're fortunate to be in that category. Um, and and I think. A lot of the companies that a lot of the companies that are successful at builds, a lot of it goes into not only the people but also the product. I mean, I mean, I can name off. I mean, 
as far as valves go, I mean, you, you look at the individual items um, that go into a build like this B8. I mean, you know, Molly um, Motorsports um, makes the pistons that are going in the car. And then you've got a company called Supertech that makes the valves that go in the car. And then a company called Calico that makes the, um, what, they, what they call rod bearings that basically mm -hmm. are, are coated in this case that are designed to withstand the excessive heat that, go, that is going into the, that the car's gonna be exposed to. Um, from the engine standpoint, um, going with pistons that are half millimeter bigger than the ones that came in the car from the factory, not only does it eliminate a inherent engine flaw in the design, but it also, it also eliminates the gap that comes into play, um, which is super, super, super important anytime you're dealing with um, you know, higher, higher horsepower, higher torque applications. And then, and then you look at it from the end of the day, I mean, something as simple as studding a block, which is the idea of instead of bolting the head to the block from this direction, you know, through the head. Oh, okay. The idea is once you pull that head off, you're actually studying the actual block. Okay. And then putting the head on top. It's a stronger hold. And you just have you you have nuts. Yep, on exactly. Top then instead exactly. Of like and it's a it's, driving a bolt into exactly. It. The block is obviously a stronger, um, a stronger foundation in which is secure. Oh yeah, than, absolutely. Than, than the head is, and you know. Fundamentally, all of those things, all of those companies um, go into strong, consistent builds processes. I mean, there's companies like Integrated Engineering as far as Saudi and post has been has been a godsend to us because so few companies build, you know, for example, the connecting rods that IE builds. They built them and designed them side-by-side side with Molly Motorsports to have them work seamlessly with each okay. other. And what, which is great for a couple of different reasons. One, it, we, we know that the strength is going to be there. Um, they've, they've already done amazing research on making everything work together. They're very, very strong, um, very, very focused, um, hyper-focused, I would say, on Volkswagen and Audi, and they do an amazing job to build they're they're out there and their design is hey buy one of our parts for this car or buy every single one of these parts for this car all of it's going to work together inherently now if you're replacing pistons there's certain things you must do however you know in in the case of of the audi and volkswagens they're really top notch when it comes into any sort of bolts on or any sort of build process i mean we don't do what we do as an organization on our own, we don't. Because if it wasn't for our warehouse suppliers, we couldn't get parts fast enough. If it wasn't for um, the performance um, warehouses, we couldn't get performance parts fast enough. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of reliance that goes on for us to be successful. Mm -hmm. A lot of it goes on in Raleigh, a lot of it goes on around the country. Um, but ultimately it's all for the betterment of the, uh, of the client. Yeah. So that really comes down. It, I mean, it really ties all the relationships together because you have the relationships yeah. with like the suppliers, yeah. relationships with the employees, yeah. relationships with your customers. Exactly. And then the quality of all of that still comes back down to the communication you have and the care for people in general. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what like my company and your company really coincide with that a lot. Is oh, that for sure. it, it's really preserving and caring about the person, right? The person's story and and, and 
how much that matters. How much is your interaction, whether it's small or big, right, has a positive impact on their future? Right. Oh, absolutely. You know? I mean, the, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, very, as someone that that concerns myself. Primarily for for a multitude of different reasons with with people, whether it's staff or clientele, you know, I'm very envious of what you do from the level in which you do it. There's there's certain levels that you interact with with clients that you know it, it's it's a it's a different level as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, you know the way our organizations coincide, it's a we're going about what we're doing the same way in order to achieve the same goals in different niches of the of the client's um, day or life, if you will. Yeah. 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 Mine's just a little bit more about around healthcare and mental health. And exactly. yours is around the care of their transportation and their livelihood of getting around. Exactly. You know, exactly. so like both have a big impact on like, Huge. you know, where they could go from there. So. And I think there's some, there's a lot of it, you know, I think there's a lot of both of, of our uh, niches that, gets t- taken for granted a little bit. I think when everything's going great in your world and when everything's very, very happy and consistent, you know, the, the psychological angle or the, or the self, the self feeling angle is taken for granted a little bit. And I yeah. think when, when your vehicle's running strong, when it's new, when it's, when it's, um, been well maintained and then all of a sudden it starts to get not so well maintained or something breaks or well, whatever the case may be. So what I see a lot of times, I always be called like, you know, we call it in business like being lost in the weeds or yeah. lost in the forest, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And I always call it being lost in the cube because yep. it's really the same thing. Exactly. And you tend, and it's happened to me recently where I was like, holy shit, I haven't changed the oil in my car. Right, right. Right, because you're like, you're so lost, you have so many things going on. Exactly. Right, now you throw some kids in there, you throw like something's going on at work, yeah. maybe you have to change jobs, you're moving, all these things. So and, many and, things. And you lose track. Yeah. And it's so easy to lose track. Absolutely. You know, we're like, or, you know, you're holding on to the fact that you bought a brand new car. Right. And when you bought it brand new, like, everything's great. Right? right? But you lose track of how long you've had the car. Yep. And you're like, man, why is everything breaking all exactly. of a sudden? It's like, but you have two years on it. Yeah, big up. Big you know, and, and then how many miles you have on it and like. Yep. One of the, one of the most common and one of my favorite, honestly, um, opportunities to meet clients is when their vehicle goes from that brand new to that oh it's we're out of we're out of warranty now so the dealership's not taking care of certain things for free and the things things like that it what i what i think what i liken it to i guess is um you know growing up and getting into the real world a little bit um you know cars eventually out even outside of the payments for them are, are going to cost money as far as repair and maintenance goes. Um, unless, unless you're owning them for, you know, two years and then turning them back in and getting something new. Um, it's, you're going to find your way to car bills, car repairs. And I think, you know, the, I like that because it, it gives the opportunity as if, and if you're a sports fan, um, it's like free agency for clients. Yeah. Um, and I like that a little bit because it, when that when that Audi client's got forty thousand miles on their car, when that BMW client has got fifty thousand miles on their car, you know Volkswagen it's sixty or nowadays it's even higher than that. They're they now whether they're whether they're very confident in leaving the dealership or not, their their eyes are starting to open up a little bit. And we've I've gotten um, myself, my staff, my service writers, we've started talking to people as early. We have a we have a client, um, husband and a wife. Um, there's an Audi and a Mini Cooper in there. 
both their vehicles were coming out of warranty at the same time. Okay. And they had no idea where to take their car. So my one of my service advisors said, um, you know, came in and talked to me one day, and he was like, I've got two people. Um, their cars are coming out of warranty in six months, and they, they want to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, cool, we'll talk. And I thought they met on the phone. Oh, they're actually no, they there. Actually came. Okay. They actually they're came. Right they wanted to tour. They wanted to tour, and they wanted to talk to me, and they wanted to understand how are the price points different, how is the experience the same, how is the experience different. They, we started talking six months before we got out of warranty. Wow. And then the very first time we saw them both was their first oil change after after their warranty expired. And it, it had that had never happened before, um, not that long prior, and right. the client didn't come down. Now, we, one of the things we're very, very proud of, we have a large space. We have a, you know, our working facility, our, our, our working, um, our working areas, slightly over thirty thousand square feet. Um, we're, we're blessed to have that kind of space. It definitely makes what we do very efficient. Allows us to do a lot of things in that space. I I, I like to bring clients in, but mm-hmm. for me, that's one of my favorite times to bring them in because you know I think there's a lot in the independent market. There's a lot of um, uh, the Jiffy Lube blinders, if you will, right? Where people right. expect it to be a a really greasy floor with a pit underneath, so a guy's down there and you know, change the oil. One of the one of the jobs that we have the sole the sole purpose of this individual is to keep our floors clean. Um, and I don't mean from you know technicians make their own mess, technicians clean that up, but I mean from the overall appearance of the facility. We, we like to show clients that not only is the way your car looks important to us when we're done, we wash every car when we're done with it, but we also care about how our space looks. I think it means something. Well, so, so that's a big piece of what I do here because actually in uh, psychotherapy, mm-hmm. they call it layering. Yep. Right? So it's like how many layers before you get to me Exactly. can I positively affect you? Exactly. Right, so like I changed my marketing that way, and like I think we we're missing that so much in our in our society right now that the importance of the atmosphere, or the environment that you're in, yeah. or that you're bringing the person into that makes them feel more comfortable, absolutely, and more trusting to you, absolutely. You know, and you see it with like the one thing I see the most of is like the I love modern architecture. Oh yeah, absolutely. The glass and the metal, obviously, there are lots yeah, of glass in here. Absolutely. But the acoustics. Yeah. We've taken the acoustics away. Yeah. So now you have your, your beautiful glass and metal and all this stuff, and it looks great, but it's so echoey and just yeah. abrasive. Yeah. And I was like, what happened? Like throwing some sound panels yeah. on or something like that where you're like deadening that down. Yeah. So mentioning the, the importance of your space, yeah. it is very important. Absolutely. And right? I, I think there's so many things, you know, the one thing that, that every industry that I've owned in, every industry that I've been a part of, I've always been very aware of what the what the general opinion is of the um, the industry that you're in, the independent automotive industry, the the reputation has gotten better generally speaking in terms of what to expect, but there's still a large expectation that there's a greasy guy with this and that greasy guy greasy shirt right. you know very very not not um, not a lot of cleanliness going on yeah. 
our floors are our floors are cleaned with a floor machine daily. So every day when we get into work, completely clean, ready to start over. Um, my technicians, every single one of my technicians wears nitro gloves on every single job they do. So in the event that when it's test drive time, my technicians just pull them off. They have to go in the car as any part of a diagnosis or something like that when they're already whatever. They come off, they go in. It's we we're being we're being given an opportunity to take care of a client's needs and that goes into play that consideration is taken into play every step of the way whether it comes to how we look how we do things you know the way we ensure that the inside and the outside of the vehicle stay clean and in the in the events when we're done with the vehicle the vehicle gets complete wash before it's delivered to the client I think there's something important about giving the client the vehicle back in in a even even an aesthetically better um, better shape than when they dropped it off to us. Yeah. And very few clients are dropping their car off with them freshly washed. So there's something about giving it back to the client. Oh, you washed the car? Yeah. And then when they one of my favorite things is a lot of times clients feel like oh, you did that just for me? And I'm like, well, of course just for you, but we do it for every one of our clients. Yeah. Because there's a... It's kind of a tricky clients, answer. Yeah. yeah. Our clients are what makes us successful. I can't be successful, my staff can't be successful without the client base. And our clients, right. we wouldn't we wouldn't trade for anything else. So. Right. And that's why, like, I had... Um, I've had someone say about my few different people on my website they're mm-hmm. like your website's not very salesy and i was like but the people that come to see me mm-hmm. all of the clients that come to see me i love every one of them yeah because yep. they come in and they they they're attracted to what i'm doing oh yeah well i would take that as a huge compliment right they're, um not, not right. salesy no, exactly. absolutely i don't want to be sales. No. i want to i want to provide a service yep. that's quality yep. and that's different what to a, care for people absolutely one of my favorite things, and one of the things that I'm that I'm most um, I'm most excited about. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Google for so many reasons, but one of the things that I I'm so thankful to clientele about is that they that they that they talk and they communicate in so many different ways. So you know, w- when they have an experience, they write about us. My favorite thing is like I, like I like I said earlier. 80% of what's being written has nothing to do with the work that we actually performed. I mean, they notate that. They say what we did. But what they're there to talk about is the expertise that they got, the the way they were included in the process, um, especially on builds. I mean, because every every step of the way, there's a new decision to be made. Oh, yeah. Um, but the experience is what 80% of the write-ups are about. And as an owner of the company, as someone that is is attempting to build and, and plan for and prepare for every possible scenario that we can respond the right way to, to hear that consistently, that's what we that's what we go for. That's right. what we go for as an organization. And as far as clients, as far as a following, as far as um, everything that comes along with that, the rest of it. The, my belief is, and the rest of it comes if that's there. Mm-hmm. If the focus is in the right spot, 
and you've got the right people to to fulfill the service in the right way and on the functional side and then interacting with the clientele if all that is there everything starts to move forward this is you start to get this trajectory mm-hmm. because what 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 your people your clientele is saying to you is you got it. You you got the you've got the recipe. Keep doing what you're doing. We talked about it earlier. Just just keep going where you're going. Just keep going. Just keep moving. And yeah. you know my whole thing is there's not a better um, for me for my position. There's not a better um, personal or you know for for my own self or my team as a unit. There's not no better feeling than when I, one of the things we do with our reviews when we get one we find we notate the tech who we print it out we notate the tech mm-hmm. who worked on the car or multiple techs who worked on the car and they get a copy of it. It's vitally important to me and and my organization that our our team takes personal pride in what's being said about us both privately and publicly. And when they get a copy of that, and when they see the way they made somebody else feel, by doing what they did, that is when you're taking an inanimate object and you're connecting an emotional response to it. And you're, from my chair, I think what that does is it empowers my team to take what they do very, very personally mm-hmm. and attach themselves to what they're doing. I don't mean it in an unhealthy way. I no, mean no, in a way that there's pride in it. So there's a, there's a, a quote that I had heard uh, over a year ago. And it, took, it was one of those, it's worded in such a way you have to kind of like think about it for right. a second. And it was, you only keep what you get, you, you keep what you give. Correct. You know, and Come it's not, your, yeah, it's, it's the feeling that you get a key yep. for doing the right thing yep. or to, to give to somebody else. Exactly, exactly. Right? You got to keep that all the time. Bingo, bingo. You know, so like to, to include them in that and say like, you know, wow, like I really made this person's day. Yeah. You know, I was part of this. Like this is me. Absolutely. Right? And they're like reading that and like to read someone's words, you know, you're like, wow, like this person really took the time to write a whole paragraph Absolutely. about how I treated them. And you know, for me, one of one of my favorite one of my favorite things about about my about my staff too is every everyone is very and, and I'm so happy I created and, and we as a unit created such a such a open place for dialogue about how to impact the client experience um, as well as the um, as well as the um, the team experience trying imports because. So much connects the dots, you know, team, staff, myself, everyone being in a position where we can freely share information, which I think is vitally important. Um, really, that connectivity between staff absolutely reflects to the client. It absolutely does, because my, my goal is for, on, on average, a client's gonna see three individuals or interact with three members of my staff every time they come in. That's the goal. That is the goal. If it's less than that, then we talk about it. If it's more than that, I'm mm-hmm. happy. Um, for me, it's about giving each client the amount of time that 
one they deserve, and two, it takes to achieve the goal the right the, the right way because mm-hmm. there's there look there's ways to go through pretty much everything in this in this world faster than you should probably go through the things in this right. world. Right, and I think I think what you just said too, like that you want more people to interact with the oh, yeah. customer. There's been times I, you know, it's something I've noticed. You, you walk into a place and every you feel like everybody's ignoring you. Yep. You have one interaction with somebody and everybody else, like to anybody, everybody else, you're just burdensome to them. Right, exactly. They're like, oh, don't even talk to me. Like, oh shit, there's a customer. I mean, yeah. You know, well, it's just, like, it's just, I think roles in organizations are too defined. I mean, you know, they'll they'll literally be, you know, for example, in some organizations, there'll be three, there'll be three people with a phone at their desk, one person whose job it is to answer phones, right. and two people not on the phone who's not answering phones while one person deals with three phone calls. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Right. The, the, um, whole, the cross-training thing for me is huge. Oh, it's... You, know, like, um, you should know at least something of... So when I was in logistics... Mm-hmm. I was on call 24 hours right. a day. When I first started that job, mm-hmm. this is like 2001, 2002, okay. I would call in at 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning to take care of something. Yep. And no matter who answered the phone would be able to help me navigate through what I needed to figure out. Yep. Fast forward four years later, five years later, I'm calling in, same thing, and I get transferred three or four times before they could figure out who's supposed to help me. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, yeah. I used to be able to get this shit done, like, bam, done. Oh, yeah. And now I'm like, bounce here, bounce here. And, like, you still don't know, so you can send me back here. And I'm like, holy sh-. Like, I, I think I had an, I had an experience um, with a with a um, uh, performance supplier of ours where we had a, we had a client go. We had a um, – there was an employee that they had. I think he had been with the organization for maybe eight weeks but has had a slew of other – um, other experience, same arena, same job, just new with this particular company. And one of one of the things that I that I wound up at the end of the day having the conversation of is you have all the experience in the world in the role that you're filling here. You're you're not ready yet. You don't you don't know you haven't had enough experience in the role that you currently fill with the company that you sit with yet. And as we work together, as we move further down the line, you're going to get that experience. And then you're going to become my go-to guy. Right. Now, so, you, now you're the guy that I, that I want to talk to. Exactly. And, and I think, again, you know, there's two ways to there's In my opinion, there's, there's two categories of ways to handle everything. The right way and the wrong way. In that scenario, in a lot of scenarios, there's a lot of ways that my staff, myself, can handle things the wrong way. Mm-hmm. There's also ways that we handle them the right way. And I think the most simplistic way that I can explain getting there, it, we haven't reinvented the wheel. We have not done it. I, I, I think we, we kind of go back to that Bloomingdale's idea back when Bloomingdale's was Bloomingdale's. Um, and, and we say the philosophy is what keeps us on the right side of wrong. Because mm-hmm. if, if we... If we follow the philosophy, if we focus on your drive, whatever you deem important with your vehicle, whatever you deem to be your purpose, that's what we're passionate about. And as long as we stick to that, we're not infallible, but we're really, really close. Because every step off of that, every step into the wrong, you're taking a hard right turn from the philosophy, in my opinion. Yeah. 
the philosophy is the client. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's why I was like, there's a one little little quote that I always really liked. It says, "Integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking." Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you because know, there's so many times like your situation yeah. or in mine where I'm like. They, nobody's nobody's looking right. anyways. Yeah. Nobody's going to know any different, you know, whether I do the right thing or the wrong thing or slip by this or cut it by an hour or exactly. cut it by 10 minutes. Yeah. But they're not going to know I cut them 10 minutes. Right, right. You know, who's going to know? And, like, you know, I think for me, from my perspective, the thing, the, the thing that, that separates organizations and, and, and team and staff members is the pride they take in what they do. I think you're only going to be affected by the positive or the negative that you do as much as your pride allows. Because I think when, when doing a job, I have staff members and I'm not without naming names. I've got staff members that if something goes sideways with a car, they don't sleep for three days. They take it, they take it that personally what they do. They care about the client. They care about the car. They care about the organization. You know, we have immensely devoted people that together create a very, very strong advocate for the client when it comes to anything that they need from the automotive perspective, including things like I mentioned earlier. There are certain things we don't do. We don't do um, we don't do any body repair. We do body panel replacements. We don't do body repair. If a client needs that. Well, we, we know where to go and we can we can tell you where to go. We don't benefit from it. You do. Right. And that's what that's what the purpose is for what we do. Yes, I I think that every client knows that every business needs to make money. I think every client Right, knows that's that. that's just that's just reality. Part, yeah. Now what I also think is, like I said earlier, clients want to give their give their time, give their attention, you know, spend their money where they're treated like people, where they, where they feel that what's important to them is reflected in the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, whether, whether it's the news you watch, whether it's the, um, the food you eat, um, whether it's the, the place you buy your clothes, people connect with organizations for many, many, many different reasons. Um, but what I think is true pretty much amongst all of them is that they spend their money where they feel appreciated. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to end with this. Um, what is your why? Why do you, why do you keep doing all this? Why, why do you, we've spent a de- quite about a decent amount of time talking yeah. about like how passionate you are about your company. Mm-hmm. So why do you do it? Obviously, we both know being in the business long enough that money isn't your why. Right. You know, because I leave a lot of money on the table. Oh, yeah. Right. So why do you get out of bed in the morning and go in there and put all the, all these hours and all this time in there to keep going? Take care of my people. Take care of everybody else. Yeah. I like it. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Um, you guys can find us um, online, triangleimports.com. Instagram, triangle underscore imports, um, and 3333 Capitol Boulevard, Raleigh 27604. Okay, great. Well, it was great having you. Thank I you really for appreciate having the me. conversation. So I appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. All right, sounds good. Outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. If you'd like to share your story, you can contact me at another new perspective 
1101 at gmail.com or by phone at 984-212-4308. Have an amazing day.